You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse and along with our producer Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to our show on this beautiful Tuesday morning in Toronto. Good morning, Alex. It is beautiful. Good morning, Kathy. Isn't good it lovely out listeners. there? Yes, it is. Oh, you just can't help but feel good when the sun is shining. I think it helped the traffic move along too this morning for me anyway. Yeah, you know, last week we we're in snow. So there you go. So beautiful. Everything is hopping here at the station. We've got lots of stuff coming up. We've got a great guest on today. We're talking about decluttering. It's going to be something that I'm going to have a pen and a paper and start taking notes because I have had a year and a half of trying to declutter and I still, um, it seems to me, I make headway and then something happens and I feel like I'm set back. Yeah, for about two weeks, I have this like energy to get on with the house and declutter. And then all of a sudden after that, Reality hits back and yeah, life takes over. Exactly, exactly. And we don't want to take too much away from the guests, but Alex, make sure you jump in with those comments too because you're going to be talking the voice of the normal person, for sure. <laughs> for so sure. Our, sh- our show today is live. If you have any questions for Maeve Richmond, our guest, feel free to call in at 416-245-1534. And you can also talk to Alex and myself at that time. Um, hit us on all our social sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Health Up RMC. And if you'd like to email us, us for any email us for anything, we are at thh at radiomaria.ca. Um, let's talk about seasonal allergies. Since we are heading into high season, I thought it'd be a good time to sort of get this on the table and give you some natural remedies or natural ways to try and combat seasonal allergies. Seasonal allergies we often refer to as hay fever, and they are caused when outdoor molds release their spores and when trees, grasses, and weeds release the pollen into the air. And they do this for the purpose of fertilizing other plants. So a necessary evil for for those of us who suffer with allergies. But what those things are is they are allergens to people who have hay fever. And what this means for us, and I am a hay fever sufferer myself, is that those spores and the pollen are treated as invaders into our system. So they are allergens and our body attacks them like allergens. And they release chemicals, including histamine. So when you're taking an antihistamine, now you know the reason why. Because one of the chemicals released into our system is histamine when we're trying to fight an allergy. So the histamine is released into our blood system and it tries to protect us from these, as we, our bodies take it, perceived allergies, these perceived toxins. So it's not a nice feeling. You know, symptoms include runny nose and congestion, watery, itchy eyes. This is my worst symptom by far. I get a film over my eyes. I can't leave my eyes alone when the allergies start. And as soon as I start, I can't stop. It's like opening a bag of chips. 
So I, as soon as I start itching my eyes or scratching my eyes, it, it's just a mess. Sneezing, coughing, uh, some people get itchy throats, itchy ears. So all of these things are symptomatic of, of seasonal allergies and hay fever. And then uh, the overall thing is it can be exhausting. Trying Your body's fighting, it's working, and, and then you're trying to, to combat these allergies. So what uh, can we grab? Sorry, Alex? I believe honey is a good, good option for you to... Uh... And he scooped me. There you go. go. <laughs> Just what away. I was going to say. Nice, though. Alex, this is great. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because from our natural toolkit, we can grab honey. And the reason why uh, honey, it, it, there isn't a whole bunch of science behind it, but people do swear by this. Honey, especially localized, unpasteurized honey. So local is the key thing here because honey is, you know, taken from the, the plants by the bees, by the flowers, or by the bees from the flowers, and made into honey. So the thought is by introducing a little bit of, of the pollen from the honey, from these local, you know, from the local honey, from our bees, the thought is, is that you can almost sensitize your body mm-hmm. from the pollen by having local unpasteurized honey. That's awesome. But the thing is with the honey is we need to start it now. So that's why it's number one on the toolkit. So you want to you wanna use this now. You want to start getting your body used to the pollen uh, because that's really, you can't take it. It's not, it's not a, a, a coverall. You can't just take a, a piece of toast with honey or tea and honey when you've got symptoms. Start yeah. this process yeah. now. Another one is uh, vitamin C. So, you know, you get those in peppers and kiwi. You can take a supplement, but lots of foods have vitamin C. And it's actually a natural antihistamine. So it does help with allergies. Vitamin C is so common that we almost overlook it, but it's so common and so heard of and in so many foods because it's so powerful. So you've got your list of foods. You've got oranges, kiwis, peppers. Vitamin C is in almost, you know, in almost everything. And if need be, you know, during this time of year, supplement with a little bit of vitamin C. Pineapple is also a rich source of bromelain, which is an enzyme that has strong anti-inflammatory effects. So it helps decrease that mucus and the nasal congestion. And just as an aside to that, um, avoiding dairy when you're having uh, hay fever is a good idea because that just can increase the mucus in your system. Another one is uh, my favorite, curcumin. Curcumin is like the phytonutrient where vitamin C is the vitamin. It's, curcumin does, does it all. So curcumin is um, found in, in turmeric, so the root turmeric. So you definitely something you can cook with. But during this time, supplementation is very well warranted. It has anti-allergy properties, which can help inhibit the release of the histamine. So there you go. Those are three things to help you out to get started on your way. Another uh, idea, yeah, I was reading up about this yesterday and, and one of the articles said, don't go outside. Well, you know, you want to go outside on these beautiful days, but do you need your best. vitamin C from the sun. Well, you do. Vitamin D. Rather, vitamin yeah. D, it helps, you know, and it just makes you feel good going outside. Yes. So, you know, it's a tough time for some of us and it, and it hits, hits again for me in the fall, but um, yeah, as best as you can, try and avoid taking medication. So there's a little bit of, of help for you. Always stay hydrated, things like that. So it, the other point is during certain times of day, so early morning, the pollen seems to be very high. So maybe, you know, push your morning walk a little bit farther along. So there you go. A little bit of help. Any questions, you know, as I said, feel free to contact us. So on to our guest today. I have circled this in my calendar for months now because I, I need help as as I'm sure many of you out there do. 
Our guest is Maeve Richman, and she is the founder of Maeve's Method, a do-it-yourself home organization method. She's a graduate of Brown's University and spent a decade dabbling with careers from event production to creative writing until she landed into her lifetime passion, which is creating happy people inside happy homes. Isn't that lovely, Alex? That's so nice. Maeve credits family, friends, and New York City for helping her to see all the beauty in objects, both saved and let go. So you can see where our show is going. This isn't just about cleaning up the house. This is about the energy that you get from decluttering. Maeve is an accomplished jazz musician, an energy healer, and loves to box, take ballet, and make pretty things for family and friends. Maeve and her team teach home organization sessions through private sessions, video coaching, and in workshops. Maeve is also a contributor to national lifestyle magazines, including Good Housekeeping, Real Simple, Martha Stewart, Mind Body Green, and Reader's Digest. Today we'll be covering points like why do we clutter, and why should we declutter, and really how to begin this whole process. So when we are back from our break, we will be talking to Maeve Richmond. Well, I called your name a long time ago And you sprung a well from a heart of stone But I was careful then what I let you see Only thought you wanted the best of me The less I trust you, the less I grow The more you love me, the more I know I don't have to be afraid to show all of me Follow me where this hurt You show me what healing can do Where this hatred You show me how kindness can move Where this fear deep inside I won't run, I won't hide I give you all of me so that you can see Every broken piece and open up my I love 
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Again, today's show is live, so feel free to call in at 416-245-1534. If you have any questions, you can hit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Health Hub RMC. And again, our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca. Welcome to the show, Maeve. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. We're glad to have you. And this is going to be a very much a learning experience for both Alex and myself, I can tell you right now. Wonderful. (laughs) How did you get into the business of cleaning up people's lives? You know, it started uh, in my late 20s. I was, like so many people at that time, kind of searching for um, my passion in life. A bit of an echo. I'm going to pull off my headpiece. Okay. Um, Thought I lost you there for... Oh, no, I just, I'm getting a bit of an echo. Um, So a friend at the time, at the time I would would go to people's homes and we would just have casual conversations. And a friend of mine uh, actually specifically asked me one day if I would come over and help her. Um, She was feeling very overwhelmed by what was going on in her home. And when she called me, I could hear her voice on the phone. It felt incredibly vulnerable. And I knew in that moment that what I need to do is just to go over and sort of hold space for her as she shared with me what was going on in her home. So I did. And what I found was what she needed was first to be heard about what was going on in her space. And second, not to be handed solutions that came from me, but solutions that we that we drew out of her. And so that was really the beginning of my work um, 15 years ago was helping people to not only learn skills to kind of get organized at home, but more importantly, to create systems that are unique to them that help them to navigate through their lives. So you don't walk into somebody's house and say, you're doing it this way, you dark to light, pull things out, get rid of this. You go in and you work with the lives of the people that you're touching. Absolutely. Um, So some organizers do work that way. Well, they will come in and just kind of take control of things. For me personally, that was just never the way to go. Um, I think all of us know just from life that the best way to make what I call behavioral change, um, where we need to actually kind of make a shift in our own, not only bodies, but in our minds, it has to come from within. So it's really a my model is more of a teach a man to fish concept um, so that we don't walk so that I don't walk away and have you maybe excited for a day or a week that the, whole, the place looks ph- phenomenal and then the following week you can't find your favorite dress or your favorite knickknack or whatever it is that, you know, I may have chosen to, to put away. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. I'm afraid to ask this, but so answer, answer lightly for this one. Yeah. Is, is clutter a sign of something deeper than just being messy? No, not necessarily. Um, You know, I was actually asked that question um, recently, you know, is clutter bad? And um, I love clutter. I mean, my home on on any given day could look um, fairly, um, you know, messy. It's my philosophy is really about um, what I try to teach people is to start to think about living. So when we think about our homes, we think about living, we might be single, we might have a family, we might have a pet, we might have plants, we might have things in our home. And so in my work, what I really do is try to encourage people to think about having your home filled with things that you live with, things that are, have meaning and purpose. And so um, in all those things, ultimately, what I do in my work is teach people how to give them a place to live. And so what I say is clutter is just layers of things that don't have homes. And if, if it turns out that many of these things don't really need to be living in your house, then that are, those are things that what I say is you can think about uh, you know, letting go or releasing and letting go. So that notion of purpose, that's a tough one because, well, on on many different levels, 
because my purpose is definitely yeah. different than my husband's sense of purpose yeah. for his material <laughs> things. And then we have four kids. Actually, one's moved yeah. out, so I'm left with three. So <laughs> when our purposes don't align, yeah. it, it, it can be a little bit anxious in the household. Absolutely. Well, I mean, working with, you know, families or, or just couples who are dealing with trying to communicate over quote unquote clutter is one of the things I spend most of my time doing. Um, and the reality is it's just about communication like anything else in our life, whether you're communicating in the work environment or with your friends. Um, you know, there is an art to communication about stuff. And um, unfortunately, I think the word clutter has really taken on a, a, a very kind of dark tone in, in our society. Um, and so it's immediately thought of as negative. But ultimately, what's happening, what I've noticed over time is what's happening when people hold on to things is that they're holding on to a part of themselves that's not fully realized. So it might be, um, you know, you might find old notebooks from someone's college experience, maybe with someone who started on a thesis that they couldn't finish or um, maybe they have a lot of clothes that are holding on to a time of their life that they have moved on from. And so what's happening is that there's a lot of emotion caught up in our things and that, that we know the source of most conflict in, in conversation and in relationships is, um, is, is emotion. So, so what I often say is our stuff tells our story. And so if we can look below the stuff, we'll find the story that people are trying to tell. Well, there's a big difference between clutter and messy, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, w- one man's clutter is another person's. I just haven't got around to, to cleaning yeah. it up. So when, uh, you know, one-on-one, it's, it's an easy thing to do. But how would you go in and approach, let me give you a, a paradigm here. So I <laughs> like things cleaned up in my house, which, you know, I like things up off the floor. Sure. Um, you, my kid's room tells a different story of different parenting, I seem to think. Uh-huh. <laughs> so is that clutter for them and they just don't know how to deal with it? Or is that just messy and I've got some sort of an issue? Well, honestly, from my perspective, no one has an issue. And I think that's part of kind of breaking down the, the challenges in this in this conversation. So what I see in a lot of cases are, um, so first of all, people think differently. So for some people, having everything very minimalist and in a place is, is the only way in which they can function. So when things are messy or around, they feel very anxious and out of sorts. But for other people, having a lot of things around is actually how they visually roll. So, for example, I'm actually a left-handed person, and so I'm generating a lot of my life coming from my right brain, which is what they say is the more creative side, the brain. And so a lot of people are just thinking or perceiving life differently, and they need to see things out. And so to be countered by someone who doesn't perceive things that way actually feels like a challenge. And so these are some of the subtle underlying things underneath what happens when someone is quote unquote messy in the home and someone is, is neat. Um, and the parent child dynamic is very interesting, of course, because there could be all kinds of other things going on there. You could have a child who might be rebelling a little or just might be shy and afraid to actually express that they actually need to have things out a little bit. So it's, it's a little bit more of a layered issue than I think uh, uh, many of us realize. Oh, it definitely is. And does it change over time? Like, do you notice People care a bit more later on or, you know, when yeah. it's their own home, they may take on more of that. You know, you know sometimes, yeah. I, you know, when I worry about my own place, I think, well, I'm being a little bit, you know, over the top. And, and you know, the kids are just <laughs> sort of relaxed and they've got other things that they care about right. more. So where's that yeah. line? 
Well, that's a really interesting question. I think it's a couple things. First of all, without a doubt, um, age does tremendous things to the way that we perceive the world. So um, certainly some of we kind of, I wouldn't say we grow out of those things, but certainly as we get older, we start to want to take more accountability for our possessions. And we, um, if, you know, if you're a child who suddenly has their first home, suddenly you go, oh, now I understand why mom always wanted me to wash the dishes or, or whatever kind of light bulb movement happens. Um, but the other thing, and, and I'm really glad you brought that up, is because it's a, a good time to talk about. So the work that I do is is based on skills. And so um, I do believe at the core of all of this are, are just basic underlying skills about how to not only caretake a home, but be conscious and intentional about what it is that we bring into our lives. And these are very basic skills that I think sometimes are, have been left out of our um, education programs, and even honestly, at this point, in, out of our kind of parenting experience, um, just the way our culture is right now, we acquire and acquire and it consumes so much that things are coming into it, say, a child's life in, in rapid fire in the ways that they really weren't for many of us who grew up in, in earlier decades. So do we have too much stuff? Is that what you're saying, basically? Um, we, I think as a society in a whole, yes, we do have too much stuff. Um, it's it's very interesting. I, I, you know, one thing that I've, I've really thought a lot about um, in, the, in the time that I've been doing this work is how rapidly times have changed for us. You know, we, we tend to look at the world through the lens of fashion and pop culture and, and the way music changes and fashion changes. But there are other very profound changes happening. And the home environment is definitely one of them. Um, you know, many of us still might remember a grandparent or, or someone who, you know, came in as an immigrant to you know, um, in the early part of our, the last century. And at that time, people ha- really had nothing. And so one, say one tool or a sewing machine or something that the family acquired was incredibly precious. And that may be the only one that a family ever had. Um, and we just live in a very different world now. We, we've gone through shifts of going from agricultural to consumer to electronic to, to digital and so on and so forth in our society. And so now we really are in this big box consumer society. We can buy anything we need at any time in stores, online, in bulk, at very inexpensive prices. And I do think that we, yes, I do think we have too much stuff as a society. So how, when you walk into somebody's house, how do you help them separate the overwhelmingness of stuff, separate the emotional from the stuff that you can let go? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a really good question. Um, you know, the first thing I, I, I love listening to your conversation with Alex at the top of the program, and you sort of talked about, um, you know, the the starting to declutter a little, and then it, it gets overwhelming, and you stop. And the reality is that this is not an overnight process. I think I think that one of the things that I I aim to do in my work is to have people understand that this is really a lifestyle that. We don't declutter in a weekend. We don't get organized in a month. We take on and choose to be sort of intentional about being a little bit more um, focused on how we live in the, in the current moment. And so to back to your question about how we get started, the very first thing that I do is when I work with my clients, whether we're in an in-person session or we're doing video, and I essentially take them through what I call a home IQ. And that is... Um, sort of stepping back and, and, and looking, trying to look at your home as objectively as possible. And what the first thing I do is I, I help people kind of identify what, what I call their triggers. Um, so the, there are some triggers that are really obvious. So, you know, you might point to a pile in the corner or your child's messy room, something that's kind of always happening to you. But there, there are more subtle triggers. For example, sometimes just the art of walking in the front door is enough for someone to feel immediately overwhelmed because they may not have 
an easier, proper place to just lay down that heavy bag they're carrying or the groceries from, from the store. And so what I do initially is start to help people identify not only their triggers, but at the same time, the things that are working. And so we do it as a two-part lens. You, to focus just on the negative, I find, is pretty counterproductive because the reality is you're trying to bring the things that aren't working up to the level of things that are working. And so we sort of start there. Um, and then once we identify an initial project, we, sort of, we start to get into kind of a, a skills-based process. So do you have to do this room by room? Like you tackle the kitchen, then you tackle the bedroom. Are you sort of widening out the whole scope and putting in place habits that you just take throughout yeah. various areas of your life. Exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, it's very, certainly everyone's looking for structures and how-tos. And, and there's there's lots of step-by-steps. I, I have on my site right now, for example, a blog that's a, a spring cleaning room-by-room guide. And you can go, you know, from bedroom to bathroom and, and kitchen and so on and so forth. Um, and that's really great. Everyone's looking for a place to get started. Um, the alternative is to not worry so much about going room by room and just to actually kind of tune into your, your gut and your, your sense of self. Because the truth is everyone, everyone knows, and if you don't know immediately, if you take a little time to be quiet and think about it, everybody kind of knows what I call is their primary trigger spot. It's one kind of funny way to get to it is if you kind of close your eyes and imagine your home from while well, you're not in your home and you actually just kind of create a visualization of your home and you allow yourself to just take a couple of deep breaths and become calm, then imagine someone kind of knocking at your front door and begging to come in. Um, and if you think what is the one part of your home that you just absolutely desperately wish you could hide, that's probably a trigger spot. Oh boy, oh boy, I have a few trigger <laughs> spots. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break here, Maeve, and then when we come back, we're going to continue Great. the conversation and we're going to really talk about uh, how being a, a less decluttered person is really actually quite beneficial for your health. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Dear listener and friend of Radio Maria, welcome to our two-day marathon, a time of year during which members Networks around the world raise money for Radio Maria ministries that are in financial needs in countries where funds are scarce. Radio Maria networks do not receive any financial support from government or advertisers. We rely mainly on volunteers and the financial support of listeners like you. Simply put, without the contribution of listeners like you, millions of people around the world would not have such easy and continuous access to the Word of God through radio. It is why we are inviting you, our listener, to consider donating to our marathon this year or to help us gain the support of someone within your circle of family and friends. Thank you for listening to our network, for your prayerful support of the work of Radio Maria, and for your contribution in promotion, volunteer hours, or monetary donations. The Lord has blessed us with the gift of faith and the ministry of Radio Maria. Let us redouble our efforts to radiate This good news to all, at home and around the world. Please call Radio Maria Canada Toronto on 416 
or Radio Maria Montreal on 514-728-1100 to make a donation or visit our website www.radiomaria.ca May God bless you and we promise you to keep you in our prayers. Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're with Maeve Richmond today. So, Maeve, let's continue. I want to talk yeah. about the health benefits of of decluttering, and, and maybe maybe you can talk about the health risks or the health yeah. perils that we're put into when our when we have too much clutter. Sure. Um, well, one thing is interesting. I know you started off today talking about seasonal allergies. So just on a very basic note, um, spring cleaning is a really great time to obviously connect with the home. And one benefit is to remove layers of dust and all of those other goodies that kind of end up in the home during the, the winter months. So on a very basic level, certainly caretaking our home once a year during spring cleaning season is a perfect time to start to get rid of some of the sort of outside allergens and, and things that cause us to feel unwell in our home. You know, what about the mental aspect? You know, because sometimes, you know, I can walk into the house and see that, you know, maybe I've gone out and I haven't cleaned the kitchen. This isn't really clutter, but when you're relating it to clutter, you walk into yeah. a room that you've let go and Absolutely. an overwhelming sense of many things pop into my mind, like the yeah. work that I'm going to have to do to get this. I don't feel like doing it now. I feel less than I should feel of myself letting things go this far. There's a lot of mental anguish yeah. and fatigue that comes along Absolutely. with clutter. Absolutely. Well, it's really the the biggest thing that affects our health is the mental part of clutter. Um, so as I said before, I said our stuff tells our story. And I think what's underlying that anguish and anxiety is looking, so walking into a room that may appear messy, but if essentially what's happening is you're seeing mentally unfinished projects. You're mm-hmm. seeing things that you couldn't complete. Um, and the reality is sometimes these things are as simple as your family took a vacation and there wasn't enough time when you came back to kind of get things away. And so over time, we'll start seeing the buildup of not just like one project unfinished, but multiple, multiple projects and, and sometimes years and years. And so what happens is that just starts to weigh on us. It's, it's a lot like having extra weight on our body. And it's, it can be very subtle at times. Um, and it does create, start to create a lot of conflict, not only inner tur- turmoil, but it can create conflict within families, uh, without a doubt. And there's really, you know, you walk into a room that's cluttered and full of stuff. There's no place to peacefully rest your eyes. You know, you're looking all Correct. over the place and that in and of itself can be tiring. Yeah, so I actually love that you just said that. Um, one of the things that I really work uh, towards with my clients is um, allowing them to walk into a space and just just breathe a sigh of relief. And as you said, find a place that they can rest their eyes that just feels like they make them smile, basically, at the moment they walk into a, a room. 
And so we have to start there. Um, unfortunately, the, as I've been saying, the art of decluttering is not an overnight process. So it's not a matter of just being like, okay, we're going to take this weekend and get it done. But what you can do is start to kind of take it in little, what I say, baby bites or small chunks. And you first kind of hone in on a space or a room or a project or some part of your home that has been feeling tremendously overwhelming. And you start to transform that. And what happens is once you kind of, during that process, you will gain skills and sort of confidence about how to do this. And then it's ma like magic. Suddenly you want to start transforming the rest of your home because you have accomplished this one small goal. And so it really does start with trying to take one small area and, and allowing that to be that thing that makes you, as you said, make, kind of makes your, your face light up. And there's many ways to go about that. There's systems. There's a thing that I call simply store it with style, which is about, you know, visually what do you put in that space that, that um, appeals to your aesthetics and, and makes you very happy. So there's a lot of different parts that go into to doing that. Do we actually need to take account of what we have and get rid of it? Do you help? Okay, where do we start? So uh, when you're yeah. coming into somebody's home, do you go item by item and say, what does this mean to you? It really is not benefiting well, uh, you. Actually, that's a, that's, I love that you said that. So what I do do, and believe it or not, and, and sometimes people are a little thrown by this process because it, it is so simple. But um, honestly, when I'm working with a, with a, a, customer, with a client, um, essentially what we are doing is we are holding item by item. We go piece by piece. We do start with an overarching conversation and that guides us to the point where we're going to be in. But whether it's me working with someone on site or you've learned you know, my method, or you're just doing this on your own, it really is a piece by piece, item by item process. And what does it mean to you is actually one of the, one of the concepts, one of my five maze, maze method concepts. Um, but honestly, before you even get to that, the question that I start with very simply, um, which is a little bit easier do, to do when you're being coached, but you can ask a friend to do it, or you just internally in your mind, the very first thing you want to do is tell the story of that item. So the, the, what I pose when I'm working with someone we might, uh, you may be sitting across from me and I just pick up one item from, say, a pile that's, that's, um, that we're working on. And I might just say simply, so tell me about this. So, Kathy, tell me about this. But and what that does is it starts to elicit a story from you as the person who owns that piece. And we start to tell the background or the story of that piece, understanding why it came into the home. Okay, but when is the story not good enough to hold on to the item? Well, so it's, it's not about, so in my work, again, I, I don't focus on, so a lot of organizers approach things as keep and let go. And that's never been part of my lexicon. I find it's very overwhelming to say, this is something we're going to keep and this is something we're going to let go. What I do is I teach people to create what I call categories according to you. And so, for example, and um, um, we may tell, I don't know if you want to give me an example of an object in your home or maybe something that's sitting in front of you there in the, in the studio. I had, and, and this is another part of a question I had. So yeah. we have been doing some renovations and my sole intent is to minimize. Yeah. And I had a bunch of little Swarovski crystals, a bunch mm -hmm. of them. My husband got them for me every year since, you know, so I had about 30 of them. And I just, I, I'm thinking that I was in the wrong mind frame because I put them in a bag and I got rid of them. I, th okay. I thought my daughter would drop dead when she heard that I had done that. And I was like, you know what? I've just, they're just sitting here. But then I thought, you know, after they, I had removed them and, and donated them, I thought, 
maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. Maybe I'm not in the right frame of mind to be doing this. But right. So so exactly. So what happened to you is exactly what happens to a lot of people when. So again, the pressure of either keep or let go is really. I I don't. I don't find it helpful. So what I would in that moment, if we kind of recreate that moment, if you were holding those crystals, I might simply say to you, so Kathy, tell me about those, tell me about these crystals. And you might say, um, tell me about the history of those a little bit. You said your husband had given them to you every year for Christmas. He gave me a little okay. crystal. So you might say, so you might tell me the story and I might just mirror back to you. So these are crystals that your husband gave to you every year for Christmas until you have a collection of them. Is that right? And I was kind of checking with you on that story. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do before deciding whether they're going to stay or go, the very first thing we do is create a category for those crystals. So we might say things my husband has given to me uh, every year for Christmas or um, items that people have given to me, something like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so in that moment, if, if we're working on a project and you can do this on, at home on your own as well, rather than have to make a decision in that moment where that stays and goes, you simply create a category. So what's happening is that we're identifying a theme of things that happen in your life. So there may be other things in your home, say that your child is given to you over time or even other objects that your husband has given to you. And so that theme of people giving things to you over time is what we want to focus on. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, because that theme is what we need to address in your life. That is this idea of things come into your life because people give them to you. And so we, we don't just look at one object at a time. We start to, once we go around that room or other rooms of the home, you're going to find other things. Like, for example, are there other objects that you think could fall into that theme of things that people have given to you every year in Christmas? Oh, there, there are a lot. And I've got, you know, I've got all the, I've kept everything. I'm really divulging right. a lot of my secrets. I've kept everything that four kids have given me, basically. Well, this, this work is very personal, so, so uh, do not be shy with your secrets. <laughs> um, so my, my reason in kind of sharing that with you, and again, this is where I really like to turn this process on its head. I think when it comes to getting organized, you know, there, and I've been, again, I've been in this business for a long time, and, and I do a lot of, um, uh, a lot of tips for, on, for press, and I do, I do give a lot of tips out, but what I do try to to help people understand is that there's no quick fix for any of this. And again, one of the things I think that hasn't been helpful over time in, in my industry is this idea of, of putting rules on things. So if you haven't worn it in a year, let it go and so on and so forth. There's a very different way to look at this and it's, it really comes from internally. So again, when we start to identify the themes of our life, so for example, for you, we may have identified, you know, gifts that people have given me over time that I've saved because I have an emotional attachment, but I'm not sure I want to keep anymore. That long sentence actually is kind of a consistent theme um, and so on and so forth. And, and as we, as we work, there are, we start to build up what I call these categories according to you. Um, it's from that point that once we start to recreate systems, we are able, someone is able to make a decision about whether to keep something or let it go. So you are an energy worker and I'm going to pull yeah. from, from that and the way you attack homes, which is so much different than what I've been doing. Um, yeah. you, you really have to tackle this with yeah. a positive mindset and, and, and pick a good time where you're, you're, you're positive about cleaning up as opposed to what I've been doing and saying, I just want to get rid of everything and not really thinking well, too much about it. You know, that's very interesting. I think um, I do like the idea of, you know, certainly starting from a positive, but, but also that there doesn't need to be the pressure to do that either. I think what I'm trying to sort of illustrate is that 
you don't necessarily need to be in a positive mindset or be prepared to make positive decisions. What you need to do is actually just be honest with yourself about the questions that you're asking. And more importantly, the expectations. If, 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 if you or anyone were to go into a quote unquote decluttering weekend with the expectation or the goal that you have to transform, say, a closet and, and be done with it and whatever you don't want has to go to go bill or be donated or so on. That's a lot of pressure. Um, on anyone. It's, it's again, it's really akin to like the sitting, you need to lose 10 pounds in the next 10 days. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about slowing down the process and just sort of, I would say back to energy, accepting and honoring that there is emotion caught up with everything we own, whether it's a, an heirloom or, you know, some fun trinket we bought at the 99 cent store last week. There's always a reason why we bring something into our home. And so Slowing down and kind of connecting to the energy, the intention, and as I've been saying, the story of an item helps us to get to the root of why we brought it in in the first place. And that is our emotional self. And reasons why we don't get it out. So I, you know what, yeah. then the questions that we ask ourselves, I mean, I really do need help, I guess. The, the questions that we ask <laughs> ourselves have, <laughs> have to be framed properly. Uh, yeah. So for example... Me asking myself and saying, I'm keeping these clothes because one day I'm going to get back to where I can fit into those clothes versus, Kathy, you might need to get real and you've had four kids well, and get rid of that really uh, nice suit so, you've had. So, so once again, and, and this is where I call my method really a, a do-it-yourself process or it, while I, do, I, I am a coach, it's really about training yourself to know how to approach the process. So I'll just kind of reframe it in a different way. Again, getting back to what I call these categories according to you. Um, there's, my model is about taking a small project, we, we kind of deconstruct it and then reconstruct the space. And the way that's done is by touching every item one. So let's say we're in your closet and we, I'm working with you and we, you hand me a shirt that happens to be something that you wore before you had children. Do you have any items like that in your life? <laughs> a couple. Okay. So, so very simply in that moment, we're not making a, a life or death decision about whether this stays or goes or whether you're going to get back to your pre, you know, baby weight. We're not doing any of that. That's way too much pressure. All we're doing is simply creating a category that says clothes I used to ha- wear before I had kids. Well, you can call that the hopeful category. Okay. Hopeful, aspirational. Some, a lot of my clients use the term aspirational. I do see this a lot with, with moms. Um, and so then at that moment, what we do is we just take that item, we create a little pile, we fold the shirt and we put it in and we keep moving. And so the first part of the way I work is, is to just keep moving. It's like picking, it's like moving a pile of stones from one place to another. But when you take the, the when you move them to the next pile, they've been reordered. And that, that order is going to be categories like aspirational clothes, um, things I want to gift to my friend, things, oh, yeah, those are torn and ripped, those can be donated. And so rather than have the, that standard keep and let go, which is only two categories, it's just not even barely enough categories to describe what most people have going on in their lives, we break it down into these very distinct themes that represent what's actually going on in your life. Does that make sense? It does. I, I actually have this mental picture of myself sitting amongst a whole pile of clothes in tears. Well, in the in the tears... <laughs> in the, the tears are okay. I think that there's, there are so many kind of misnomers about this work that I, I have been kind of working diligently, you know, as a professional. And also just, you know, when I do speak to, to people or do interviews, you know, I, I really do get real about this process. It, I think that it is not, um, it's not realistic to expect that we're going to have a spring cleaning weekend with a smile on our face and just have it all done. 
um, as I've been saying, our stuff tells our story. And so if you needed to cry over this, then you needed to cry over this. And that is cathartic and that is healthy. And, um, you know, back to the, the healing properties of decluttering, that is part of the process that we, some of us need to go through. Many of us, most of us. So myself included, <laughs> yourself included. Uh, you know what? I envision walking into your house and it be everything that I want in my house. But that's a whole other <laughs> different thing. And you know what? We have a busy house. We got two dogs, or you know, five yeah. now living with us. But and it, it, you know, I don't oh want it this to be the the thing that's going on all the time. But um, right. every now and again, a clean house would be nice. But I, I envision well, so now there are two types of of clutter: clutter where people yeah. can't let go, and clutter yeah. by. Um, families and households and environments where there's not enough time in the day to declutter it and then it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. Right. So I think, um, so the one one thing that I would love to get across and it's really just kind of a great tip for everyone who's listening is, is to just to reframe this whole concept. So one of the, one of the uh, concepts that I use in my method is very simply is called everything has a home. This is a, a phrase that has been used over time. And so I certainly didn't create it, but where I came up with it really came from my experience um, between high school and college. I briefly taught as a student teacher in a, um, a Montessori-based preschool environment. And one of the things that I learned there was uh, just this kind of profound experience of realizing the way that children interact with things that they love. Um, so one of the things that a child will do if they have a, a favorite doll or, or a blanket or something that they really love is that they will personify it or bring it to life. And so suddenly that dolly has to have a place to sit at the table to eat and, you know, God forbid it should get lost or, or kind of dirty. It's, it kind of, a, there's a big crisis. So one of the things that I teach adult clients as well as kids is simply to start thinking about everything in your home environment as something that's worthy of a place to live, as if it were living and breathing and alive. And as if you were interacting with it the way a child would, something that's really precious in your, in your life. The moment that we do that, that's, that's one of the things that helps us to discern what is worthy of having a home in our lives and what is we can let go. And I'll give you a simple example. Someone might pick up a remote control for their television. On any given day, that's not something that elicits a whole lot of emotional response, mm-hmm. but that piece that's living and breathing alive in your family, that actually a, plays a little role. It's, it actually is a thing that, you know, is the connector between you at the end of a long day and you being able to sit down and watch a movie at night and relax. And so that remote control is worthy of a home. So we're going to give it a place to live in a basket, under the coffee table, whatever it is. And so every object in the home, we, if, we, if we personify it and kind of give it sort of the role of a, of a player in our family, it becomes worthy of a place to live. And that's how we create order and systems in the home environment. And that's why something doesn't become clutter because we just, when we're done with it, we put it back into our home. And when we need it, we go get it from its home. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, but everyone has to be on board with what, where the home is for everything. Exactly. Well, believe it or not, that conversation really can be quite fun with families. I mean, it, again, you know, it's, there's, there's never sort of an easy ticket because, you know, uh, you know, there could just be with children and parents or sometimes it's just some kind of playful conflict, you know, because people don't want to be on the same page about things. But I, where, where this becomes really fun, I notice, and that's why I do love to work with, with young children in particular, kids as little as two, three have come into sessions and, and I do private work with them and they're so eager to learn and they're so willing and excited to be helpful. And so to teach a a young child this idea of giving something that is precious to them, that's valuable to their day to day, whether it's their backpack, 
or their favorite barrette or a toy, giving it a place to live, they will really lean into that and essentially, you know, not sort of start to think about where it goes because it just goes where it lives. And well, so if you think about translating that to dishes in the, in the, in the kitchen or, you know, other household items, you can really instill this in a younger child the skills they need to kind of live better in the home environment. We've talked about sort of the negative aspects of clutter and, yeah. you know, how, how it can negatively affect your health. How can uh, decluttering positively affect us? I mean, this is really probably where your energy work comes in. Yeah, well, um, it's, I mean, there are so many wonderful positive benefits. I think, you know, on a basic level, um, you know, energetically, we are always interacting with the things around us. And so clutter, um, clutter physically, I mean, back to the kind of the idea of allergies and dust. Yes, clutter can create dust and just kind of sort of heavy heaviness in the home. Um, but there is also this emotional relationship to things. And so every object from, you know, from my perspective, and this gets probably a little bit more, esoteric than I usually just sort of get in my general sessions, but it is really true. Every object that we have in our lives around us has a, an energetic vibration and is, is basically connecting with us. And so when we are sort of surrounded by things that, you know, we, that have a, a vibration or an energy that we aren't even connecting to, um, it can be overwhelming. It kind of clouds our, it's like too many radio signals coming in at once. And so being intentional, first of all, being intentional about going through those, those things one by one, that pile of clothes, that, um, that busy closet, that alone just mentally will create clarity. Um, but what I call is I sort of, I call it the art of, of release and let go. When you are intentionally deciding this, um, this, this DVD player that was gifted to me by, you know, a boyfriend when I was younger that meant so much at the time. I haven't used it in years. It's really not working. I don't think I could resell it. It's time to let it go. That's the art of not only just release, mentally release, but physically let go. So you might, you know, put it in a recycling bin or give it to someone. And so it's really a two-part process of deciding to both release, which is the mental part, and let go, which is the physical part where something actually leaves your home environment. And that just has profound mental health results. Just really, um, it's just, it's, I have so many stories anecdotally over time of just watching people, their, their faces will change. They might cry. They might just breathe a sigh of relief and, and just profound um, mental changes that come from this work. Well, who gets to be the boss in the house? Because every object has a different energy for each person. So where, where something is yeah. ringing me the wrong way, it might be really, yeah. you know, adding something pleasant to somebody else's life. So who, who gets that final decision? Well, I think that, again, it's about communication. I don't know that there really are any final decisions um, when it comes to communication amongst families and with partners. I think, you know, um, it's about compromise like anything else in life. You know, there are times when, you know, you may be you just can't stand a certain object uh, that's been sitting in the corner of a room and, and your husband just loves it. And that's where, you know, communication comes into play. I've always found when I'm working with couples or well, families, but say couples in particular, when people start to express their, how they truly feel about something and they get to that story and they share it with a partner, then that kind of butting heads mentality just disappears because at the end of the day, you're getting closer to what's really important, which is just a, a human team and connection and love and things that have absolutely nothing to do with, with 
with objects. Um, you know, at the end of the day, our, we would, we would hope in our grand society that our connections are about love and not about, you know, um, physical objects. But, you know, we, that becomes more and more challenging, um, since there's so much stuff that we have in our world. So I think, you know, my experience with couples is that it's a lot, it's about a lot of active listening, a lot of patience. It's, it's about being very careful with your language, um, not being accusatory. And ultimately, um, doing a lot of mirroring. So mirroring, um, for, for those who don't know, is just the simple art of feeding back what you hear. So if someone says, you know, I really don't like this vase on this table because I feel like the kids are going to knock into it and it's going to fall over and break, um, a partner mirroring that might simply say, so I can hear you don't like the vase on the table because you're afraid it might get knocked over and break. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, in our society, we just don't get enough experiences where people feed us back what we've said. There's a lot of fighting and conflict right away. And so very simply, that art of mirroring and listening is goes a long, long way to diffusing a lot of the tension around differing opinions on things in the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think more in our situation might be with other people's too. It's more of, I, I'm, I've had enough and other people just don't care. So it, it's more... Um, it's not so much an attachment. It is more of a, I really, it doesn't bother me, so I really don't care. And I'm more of the, it's driving me insane and we're going to get rid of it. So not so much the conflict in our personal environment about yeah. things like that. So we're getting towards the end of the show, Maeve, and I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that maybe you could give us a couple of tips or one or one tip or so to, to get us started on oh, this sure. very deep dive journey. Yeah. So, <laughs> go ahead. It is a bit of a deep dive. Well, so we'll go a little lighter. Um, one of, so one of the things that I love to do at this time of the year, and there's, um, there's a, a video on my website right now at mavesmethod.com that kind of shows this, but it's simply, I call it light therapy. Um, and it's basically the, very simply at spring cleaning time is to pay attention to your windows and, and all of the surfaces in your home. Um, as we're going, as we're in this transition time from winter into spring, um, sort of caretaking the home is really important. And so um, one thing I strongly suggest is to just uh, basically go around and very simply kind of wash all, not only the interior and exterior of your, of your household windows, if you can, but pay attention to, um, you know, picture frames and glass tables and any, any other shiny surfaces that may have just kind of gotten some grime on them over the course of the past year. Um, that's two part. It's about caretaking your homes, but it's also about paying attention to our mood. Um, as, as you guys started the program with talking about bringing in sunshine and vitamin D for the body, that's a really kind of very basic tip that anyone can do today or this weekend to really make, make an impact um, in their life. Perfect. So thank you again, Maeve, for being on the show. If you want to find yeah. out about Maeve, more about Maeve and what she does, her website is mavesmethod.com, M-A-E-V-E-S method.com uh, we'll put that up on the website and or on the Facebook page please contact her she's got some wonderful tips Maeve thank you for being on our show today we really do appreciate it and we will talk to everyone next Tuesday on the Health Hub
have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.